pastor today, Pastor Vicki Van Neville. She is our assistant superintendent. Yes. And she also pastors the United Methodist Church of Northwest. And that's where Pastor Pat is today. They swapped pulpits. So we welcome you. Thanks, Becky. I appreciate that. Yes, Pat and I talked about this way long time ago. Sometime this summer, I think we talked about it. And so we finally got a, a date. And uh, of course, we picked the first ice storm of the year. So it's perfect. Pat said to me, uh, he said, well, we shouldn't have to worry about the weather. And I said, no, I don't know about that. So the scripture reading that I'm going to read to you today comes from the book of John. It's chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. Now, I don't know what you guys do on Christmas Eve, but that is always the scripture that we read on Christmas Eve. We darken the sanctuary and we all have our little candles and we're ready to go. We read that scripture and then we start lighting candles and, and sing Silent Night. But because that's where that scripture ends up, most of the time, I hardly ever preach on that. And so um, I decided that this was a good time of the year for us to be reminded of this scripture um, because we sort of, you know, get the scripture done so we can get to silent night kind of deal. And um, this is great words about God making his home with us. So hear now the words of John. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. To him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to that light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but from him, from God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, we have seen his glory, and the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, I want to thank all of you for um, welcoming me this morning. Um, I'm hoping that Pastor Pat received uh, as much of a uh, welcome as I have this morning um, at, at Northwest. Um, <clears throat> It's good for us to be in other people's pulpits every now and then. Uh, Pat and I had talked about that, and uh, 
for you to hear the word proclaimed with a different voice than what you hear week after week after week. So um, what I want to talk about today, I think is a, <clears throat> this is a great time of the year, and especially now that the weather's gotten cold, um, because I want to talk a little bit about some of our poorest families. Because we continue to see that some of our poorest families live in some of our extended hotels in the area. Now, and I don't mean the residents in over in Granger. <clears throat> I'm talking about places like the South Bend Motel over on Michigan Street. And they don't just stay there for a week or two. Sometimes they're there for years. Families with one, two, three, or maybe even four kids, along with maybe some extended family. Um, the family members could be packed into this smoke-filled, roach-infested hotel room. But today I want to talk to you about a particular motel. You may remember it, it was called the Wooden Indian. It was over on Lincoln Way in South Bend. There was a lot of crime at the Wooden Indian. Drug deals, prostitution, shootings, meth labs, you name it, it was there. On any given night, the police were there three or four times with their lights flashing. One of our beloved police officers was shot and killed answering a call there a few years ago, you may remember. Now, the hotel property has since been torn down, and the property now belongs to IUSB, I think. The reason I bring up this particular place is because I have a family in my church at Northwest, and uh, it's a set of grandparents. And um, had two little grandchildren that were being raised at the Wooden Indian. And so my information that I get about the Wooden Indian comes firsthand as a pastor that helped these grandparents uh, get custody of these two kids. As they uh, uh, would go to pick up the kids, um, they could hear other children crying they could hear people screaming at one another as they walked by the motel rooms. And it became very easy for them and for me, frankly, to be angry. Angry with the parents who were neglecting these poor kids. Sometimes we forget that there are people in our community who live in conditions like this. One of the other reasons I wanted to talk about this is because I had somebody else in my congregation say uh, a few weeks ago that she never realized that there was so much poverty in St. Joe County and in South Bend. So I think it's time that we all open up our eyes to know that you know, there are living conditions that are not like most of us live in. I am grateful for churches like Northwest, churches like Evangel Heights, um, who support um, ministries that feed the hungry and, and clothe those that need to be done. And I know you guys are just as active as we are at Northwest in providing help to those folks that need it. And I, uh, Pastor Pat's only told me a few of the wonderful things that you as a church congregation are involved in, and I do, uh, I do thank you for that. Um, I'm not sure... Um, what you guys do, one of, the, one of the things we do, we have a, a low-income apartment complex that's down the road and around the corner from Northwest. It's called Laurel Woods Apartments. 
and maybe you've heard of that too because they've had their share of police calls and things going on that were less than what we would hope. Um, and a couple times a year we provide food bags for the, the uh, residents at Laurel Woods. And the one thing that um, you have to note when you knock on an apartment door or a motel room where people live is that you get to see a lot. And I know our folks in our congregation have seen many things. Sometimes we see families with four or five or more young children hanging on to mom's legs when she answers the door. You're greeted with strange smells, and I'll leave that to your imagination of what those smells are. You see sad people. You see lonely people. You see broken people. You see forgotten people. Like the gal in my congregation who said, I just never realized how broken and how much poverty there is in South Bend and in our community because we forget. Sometimes we see drug addicts and people who look much older than their actual age because of malnourishment, because of abuse, because of sickness, disease. I want to tell you the story of one of my friends who is a pastor down in Plymouth, and they have a ministry to um, a low-income trailer park in that area. And he told me a story about a boy named Jacob. When Jacob uh, um, got associated with, with my friend Mark, um, he and his wife would pick Jacob up in the mornings so that he would be able to come to church and go to Sunday school. And then somebody else from their church would take Jacob home after everything was done. And when Jacob used to get in Pastor Mark's car, it was almost suffocating because Jacob smelled so bad. Because you see, his mother was a chain smoker. She didn't work. They lived in this teeny tiny little trailer. And Jacob absorbed all of the smoke all of the other smells of cooking, and, and you guys know that smell. Mark told me that after Jacob would get out of his car, the smell would linger. He also told me that the other children would make fun of Jacob because of how he smelled, his friends at school. They really weren't his friends. Jacob's hair was greasy. It was rarely brushed. He was a sad and lonely kid. And one day when Mark and his wife picked Jacob up, he looked at Pastor Mark and told him, You know, Pastor, I'm the bottom of the barrel. Nobody cares about me. And that's what he thought about himself. Friends, these kinds of stories are familiar to us in one way or another. I'm sure some of you could tell some stories of, of some of the folks that you have met during your time taking care of some of our most needy people in, in this area. The scenarios like this exist in every city and town. It doesn't matter whether we're urban or we're rural. This was in Plymouth. 
Poverty and addiction run rampant in our world today. And we've all encountered it in various ways. For all of us who call ourselves Christians, for all of us who live in relative comfort, it raises an interesting question that I think is very relevant at this time of the year. And that question is, could I go and live like this? Could I go and live with Jacob and his mom in that tiny, dirty little trailer? Could I enter into the, the chaos, the, the dilapidated, stinking, infested filth of poverty and of addiction? And could I live my life there, making my home far away from the blessed comforts that I enjoy at my home. What a great answer you had here. A house is where somebody else lives. A home is where I live. We think of Jacob and his mom living in a house, a trailer. I live in a home. But friends, I want to tell you, this is what Christmas is all about. And I know, you know, for the world, we're done with Christmas. We're still kind of messed around here a little bit with it. But I think as we carry Christmas over, it doesn't have to be just Christmas Day. Or it doesn't have to be those few weeks after Christmas that we call Christmas Tide. We should be thinking about Christmas every day. Because friends, it's what it's all about. Our scripture tells us the word was in the beginning and the word became flesh. In Jesus, God made his dwelling among us. Despite the filth, despite the sin, and all the ways that we get this life so wrong every single day, God chose to make his home with you and with me. God stepped out of the comfort of that heavenly realm and he came to join us right where we are. Not where we ought to be, but where we are. Isn't it fitting that Jesus was born in a stinky barn? Because friends, that's how much God loves us. How much God loves you and me and every other person in this world. As I've thought about this passage over the past few weeks, I've thought about the fact that, that we humans really do have a hard time getting along with one another and accepting one another for just who we are. Some of us may not, not like other humans who have a different skin color or a different language than our own. We might not want to be around, you know, those kind of people. Others of us, perhaps, have people in our lives that we have to commingle with. And you know these people, cantankerous and mean and bullies. People that we have to see because we work with them every day. People that we have to see because they're part of our families people that we are with because 
they come to church with us. Or maybe they go to school with us. People that we try to avoid if we can. People we would never, ever, ever want to live with. If we think about this for a while, picturing the folks, and I'm sure you're already running through that scenario in your head, whoever they might be, in our lives, we have people that we want to avoid, and we realize that God decided to come and live with them. And if we realize that, would it make it easier for us to transform our ability to be able to love everybody like Jesus asks us to? If we as Christians keep at the forefront of our minds that Jesus identifies with and is in us such solidarity with all of those folks, that whatever we do or don't do for one of them, we do or don't do for Jesus? What difference would it make in the way we love? What difference would it make in the way we think and relate to others? Would it make a difference in our financial decisions, in the way we spend our time, and, and who we spend our time with? When we are tempted to curse someone who annoys us, or give that one-finger salute as we're driving down the road because somebody has cut us off? Can we just stop and remember how much God loves that person, the person that just cut you off? When we are about to, to stab someone in the back through our words or our actions, can we remind ourselves that the creator of the universe chose to leave heaven in order to live with that person. When we are attempted to uh, abuse ourselves, to hate ourselves, to hurt ourselves, to think badly about who we are, can we think about the fact that God so loves us that he sent his son to make his home with us? As Christians, as the body of Christ, as Christ's church, as Evangel Heights United Methodist Church, my friends, we are called to continue the mission of the word. Not the mission of the world, but the mission of the world, of Jesus Christ on earth and in this world. We are called to live beside and with the widows, the orphans, the prostitutes, the drug addicts, the lepers, the poor, the tax collectors, the mean, the mighty, the rich, the powerful, the bullies, the haters, the annoying, the little Jacobs of the world. We are called, friends, to love our enemies because it's easy to love people who look and act and talk and think like us. That's why Jesus said, love your enemies. He knew it wasn't going to be easy. God has come to abide with us. 
God has set aside the status and privileges of divinity in order to enter into this human world. God took on the weakness of being a human and, and accomplished many, many miracles through it. And God continues to seek to live in and with human beings through the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through him all things were made, and that Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Will you pray with me, please? Loving God, we thank you. We thank you that you sent us Jesus. And you know what? We really do thank you for those who annoy us, for the bullies, for the lost, for the broken, for the widow, for the prostitute, for the poor, for the rich. We thank you for those people that you put in our path so that we might share you. So that we might be, for this world, your hands and feet. So that people, without opening the book, might know who you are. Thank you. Thank you for calling us to be your sons and daughters. Lord, help us to love. In your name we pray. Amen.